This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Playoffs. Hello and welcome to NL Playoffs. This is round 21 of the NL Playoffs. My name is uh, Gautam. I have with me my co-host Aniket. Aniket, say hi. Hello world. Aniket, uh, how's it going? How's your uh, how's your sporting uh, last two or three weeks been? Fantastic. So sport has been keeping me awake, alive and kicking in the past couple of days, especially this uh, week, I would say. So I'm having a blast. Uh, given everything that's happening in other parts of my life, sports keeping me excited. We are uh, recording this on the 25th of May. Uh, it was about 8.15 a.m. in the morning, India time. Uh, especially, I think the 22nd of uh, May was a Sunday. So, somewhat of a great sporting day. We had Formula 1 going on. We had the final day of the Premier League. Uh, there was IPL going on. There's a lot of stuff going on at the same time. Oh, 100%. And uh, a lot of this we will talk about at the towards the end of the episode in much more detail. So I'm super excited actually to talk today about everything that's happened. And let's not forget, uh, a lot of the Indian athletes have bought, uh, made India proud. So that's one more thing I'm looking forward to talk and learn about. Yeah, so we have a packed episode coming up today. Uh, we are at round 21, as I said earlier, that's equivalent to what, three weeks, three sevens, 21. So we have, we've produced three weeks worth of content. I still can't believe that. But having said that, let us uh, get to what we are going to talk about in this episode. We are going to have a really special uh, guest uh, on this episode. Uh, we are going to have Xenia uh, uh, Dikuna, who was a uh, who was with us earlier talking about the Olympics. She's she's going to be back again to talk to us about India's uh, superb Thomas Cup win in badminton. We're also going to talk to her about Nikhat Zareen, who just won the Women's World Boxing Championship in Turkey. Uh, she's become only the what, fifth Indian woman to be crowned world champion. So that is a great achievement. And then the Thomas Cup, uh, first ever Thomas Cup win for India, who beat Indonesia uh, 3-0. So that was... That was quite, quite an achievement. So I'm looking forward to talk to her about this. And also, as I said, uh, as we alluded to earlier, Aniket, we have the Premier League going on. So we, I'm sure you have a lot to say about that. Oh, yeah. And I've not asked this question back to you, but how has your sporting week been uh, from India? Dude, it's, it's it was crazy, right? So uh, I think um, 6.30 or something is when the Formula 1 race started. So I, was, I started watching that. Uh, it was perfect because at 8.30, it was all the games were starting in the Premier League. So there was that going on. I think there was the IPL going on in between. I think the, uh, it was the Royal Challengers Bangalore. No, it was not the Royal Challengers Bangalore. Uh, somebody was playing. All these games are... Uh, merging into one full game for me so uh, a lot of sport was going on it was perfect i was uh, double screening i was not second screening it i was double screening so i had the city game on the tv then i had liverpool game on my laptop and then i flipped to the liverpool game on the tv and the city game on my laptop it was it was great it and as as soon as the race concluded uh, the, the premier league started so it was just great yeah same situation here too i was also two screening both 
the title contenders games so it was, it was pretty exciting yeah like, let's let's get into it let's not uh, yeah uh, I, I, by the way, i was double screening on sunday and then i was second screening uh, last night because i was working so i had to uh, have the ipl game on the background so there's that there's there's that for you there's double screening and there's second screening but yes we're going to talk about the premier league uh city win in dramatic style uh, clinched the premier league title uh by one point they end up at 93 to liverpool's 92 points uh we are going to talk about that we're going to touch a little bit on the ipl uh we are going to talk about the nba playoffs uh, name check uh, for the nl playoffs uh, nba playoffs uh we have uh, we are coming to the fag end of the tournament we have four four teams left and It, it's 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 exciting uh, we also have the french open starting uh which is just in the first round right now so uh we will see if we have enough time to talk about that or not but as soon as the french open completes we'll have uh, a special guest uh, subscriber that we always have abhijit on so i'm looking forward to that conversation once the tournament concludes as well and then we can we will probably close it out with a little bit of formula 1 as always uh, we will talk formula 1 so yeah All right so let let us let us uh, let us talk to Zinia now Aniket we are, we are we are going to let's talk to Zinia first We are glad to welcome back to our podcast uh, Zinia Dikuna who's a sports journalist journalist with ESPN India Zinia thank you again for joining us Thank you so much for inviting me again it's so good to be back Awesome so uh, Zinia as we were just alluding uh, to you earlier about uh, Uh, us leaning on you because we really want to talk about uh, India's Thomas Cup win in the world of badminton and also talk about uh, what uh, Nikhat Zarin did but uh, we'd like to just start off with the uh, the Thomas Cup win uh, for for those of you who haven't been following India just won the Thomas Cup tournament which is a men's international badminton tournament it's like the Davis Cup of sorts uh, in the in the world of badminton uh, now India won it for the first time ever uh but zinj if you could give us some context as to how big this tournament is in the world of badminton in the first place and secondly how big is it that india actually won this tournament for the first time ever absolutely so to cut a long story short this is very big uh th- the thomas cup is essentially the world team championship for men's badminton and the women's version is uber cup and they happen simultaneously so it's usually just thomas and uber cup the women's team has won two uber cup medals in the past but here's the thing in india had never won a thomas cup medal in the past and to your for your first medal at a world team championship to be a gold it's it's pretty significant or uh, to you know to really put it down this was the first time that india were in the uh, semi finals in this new format where a bronze medal is assured for both semi finalists so in a way it was already pretty groundbreaking like your first medal at the thomas cup to then reach the final and then win it in the manner that india did is what really you know sets it apart you play five matches which is singles doubles singles doubles and singles you have to have a 3-0 uh, win and in the quarterfinals against malaysia and the semifinals against denmark it came down to the final match now the format is such that you play your top ranking in uh, ascending order so the fifth match is played by a technically your lowest ranked player which in india's case was hs pranoy and that was one of most underrated advantages we have because of lakshya sen sort of shooting up the rankings in the last 6 months 
he was india number 1 which made pranoy who's a who's a proper veteran and a really really bankable player player decider that that is what clinched it against malaysia and against denmark he clinched the fifth singles and you know it it was it came to a point where against indonesia who i might add are 14 time champions and the most successful team in history they didn't even need the fifth match because it was a 3-0 blank victory uh, i i can't be more excited about this as i explain this because for several reasons right for the thomas cup victory you several things had to fall in place and two of the most important factors were two very young early 20s guys teams one is lakshan and the other is the men's double team of satvik sairaj anki reddy and chirag shetty these three were the key difference is what sets this campaign apart from everything else but for lakshan to be india number 1 and to have a men's doubles victories four out of five was is massive in the context of indian badminton so it's also super interesting right because uh, at least I, i mean i i love the sport of badminton but i wish i had followed it as much as i uh, really love playing it and the men's badminton especially uh, has been on a rocky boat for the past couple of years uh, especially given that we had shrikant and uh, pranay who did not qualify uh, for the previous olympics and here comes uh, you mentioned lakshya sen who shot up the ranks and truly played a game of you know someone who was super experienced because uh, he came back and then really won uh, what i would call a solid first game right so if you know if i was writing if i was trying to narrate this like a story or a film script uh, i would put it like this you know there was there was the olympics which had just one indian in men singles which is sai pranith in december we had the world championships of badminton in which for the first time there were two indian men on the podium men's world championship medal was rare and to have two indians and the both of them met in the semi final so that was a bit of a turning point when laksh and shrikant met in the semi finals of the world championship and now cut to may where both of them are part of the first ever thomas cup victory to put it shortly i think the olympic setback really changed a lot of things uh, personally also for the players and then laksh sent shooting up the ranks from the world championship getting these victories over top 5 ranked players in the first half of the year reaching the final of the all england it propelled him to be india number 1 which you know which is a bit of a mixed bag advantage in in the sense that uh, this may sound very off but if because of the way the thomas cup draw is ordered your top ranked player is playing the opposite top ranked player in that sense your first match can be a real write off uh, where you know your he played axels in the world number 1 now it's he's beaten axels in just earlier this year what worked is you had shrikant and pranay your bankable veterans right down the order if it was flipped same who knows what could have happened laksh is a great player but to be in that pressure situation you need sometimes you need that experience which pranay had and shrikant well you know this is something i wrote in my article post thomas cup as well shrikant is a lot of things but he is not usually consistent and to win 5 out of 5 matches here bang in the middle which is the most which is the crucial the third game is so crucial in a five match series that it's just different things and just different aspects of each player fell into place at the same time and it it really felt very serendipitous in a way that this had to happen in may less than a year after the olympic setback 6 months after returning point of the world championship 
for sure i think it 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 probably proved to be for shrikant at least it was he was probably in an unexpectedly advantageous position because by the time he played the third third match the india were already 2-0 up so uh, it that can only help him right he probably had not as much pressure as as he would have had let's say if they were going he was going into that match with uh, one game apiece or something like that but i think probably what uh, the the most crucial match as it turned out to be for india was the second match where the doubles team of satvik sairaj rankreddy and uh, chirag shetty won uh, i don't know zine if you were actually in bangkok covering this or if you were in india covering this or not but i'm sure you watched this live in some capacity so talk to us about that game itself i know they saved what four match points as on their way to their victory in the third game i think they saved four match points in the second uh, game of that match so t- t- talk to us about that doubles uh, win in the second match yes i was waiting for this to be a special category sachi as they are uh, as indian badminton fans have uh, coined the term uh, there is so if if i were to ask you or somebody who's followed a lot of indian badminton to name an indian men's doubles pair which has been this consistent at this high a level it would be difficult for even the most ardent fan to name one mainly because men's double has not really been india's forte in the past and in in thomas cup you have to win two doubles ties or at least win one doubles tie to have a shot and i think that was the ultimate turning point for india because if you see the four doubles was played by a very uh, india had two pairs uh, throughout the thomas cup and they were both quite inexperienced compared to satvik and chirag and had the second doubles not won not been won this entire tournament could have a different look then i add another layer to it in the final against indonesia you are playing against the world number 1 and world number 2 pair com- come together uh now uh, Indonesia are essentially giants of men's doubles the top two ranked players are indonesian you would have heard these terms daddies and minions in in context of badminton men's doubles in the past and they are both indonesian players uh, indonesian pairs in another turn of fate which played quite an important role in india's thomas cup victory i might add that the draw also was favorable initially india avoided teams like china and japan in the draw we had uh, germany and chinese taipei and and another team which i can't recall right now but sorry in in the final what happened is uh one pair from minion was injured and while both the daddies were av- available uh satyawan wasn't playing so it was asan and kevin who were teaming up now in in that match even though they are such high rated players they are not regular partners Whereas Chirag and Satvik have really grown up together as as partners in the last two three years, they've really melded into this one unit when they play badminton, and and that was a big difference because they could really you know find the spots that maybe if the regular Indonesian pairs would have been there, they could not have. Satvik and Chirag are both extremely young and energetic players, and they have this little killer instinct to them, which I personally have found rare in Indian sport. where they do they did not think twice before like body smashing and i am that you know is more common in badminton than say in a tennis where where the points are still slower but the the aggression that killer instinct was like was spot on and and these two are really good like satvik when he was partnering ashwini panappa in mixed doubles he was a force to reckon with even then he's is a really really good player and 
he was finding the spots he hit a tweener like close to match point he was going for the angles and chirag was you know with the smashes the aggression it was it was really like a full package come together you know luck and talent hard work and technique and now that might be a genuine first in indian badminton a doubles pair so young and fiery that they are not batting an eyelid while battling two of the most experienced and best players in in the world right now we four match points you mentioned at that point the ma- you know the tie could go either way indonesia 14 times champions india first time finalist india has a 1-0 lead india has a cushion in a way but they didn't think of that it was a proper do and die for them and in the moment it was their chemistry and their hunger that i believe is what overpart two of the best doubles players in the world you briefly touched upon um, uh, pranoy derzinia i just want to talk about him uh, and he did not get a chance obviously of good which was good for india because india kind of swept the th- first three games they did not get a chance to uh, play in the final but leading up to the finals he played in the quarters and the semis and won the deciding fifth games or fifth matches right now you you I, i read your piece by the way on espn which i'm going to recommend you talk about how the bii trusted him and gave him a buy in in the trials when the selections were going on so talk to us about that what what do you think made the bii uh, trust put the trust in him is he seen as a, like a big match player of sorts or does his experience count a lot or what do you think the thinking behind uh, his buy during the trials was Yes, I mean to give a little bit more context, uh the selection trials were controversially brought into the spotlight by Saina Nehwal when she said that uh the timing was wrong and uh, she was not given a buy to even though her ranking of world number 23 is exactly that of Srikanth, only the top 15 players were given a buy. But the Badminton Association of India decided to give uh, Pranoy the time to recover also because he was suffering from some sort of injury and also because his recent results which included a final run at the swiss open uh, you know showed that he was in good enough form but i personally believe that a big reason was as you mentioned pranoy is a big match player and at the same time pranoy is a very self-aware like in the past he has spoken about how mid match he has choked in certain certain situations and not been able to complete a match I think it was at the Commonwealth Games the last Commonwealth Games where he said that but essentially that uh, he's an intelligent player so there was this trust put on him and his experience at this level to sort of see India through but uh, the selection trials did show that the best sort of uh, Indian players this is the best sort of set of Indian singles players who were there in the team and if if uh, pranoy were to like sai pranith for example did not uh, make it he did not win the the selection trials and it was priyanshu rajawat who did win it now that that does not necessarily tell you that sai pranith who ha- is an olympian and is a former world championship medalist is not a good enough player if anything perhaps it just only talks about form now if something yeah. similar could have happened with pranoy but that trust came from his Uh, which i believe is his you know intelligence and his experience at this level he is very aware of his limitations he is very aware of his think that has translated into his performances now if you see his cv he doesn't have a world number 1 rank or like a big big medal 
but it's in the way he plays his badminton that there is a certain quality which you would trust in a team environment and i this is again my belief i don't know whether that is the logic behind the ai they said past performance but i would say it's his uh, personality and his game awareness that should have and rightly did earn him that respite where he could rest his body completely the second aspect of it is that as good a player pranoy is he has been extremely injury plagued and any break from what is very grueling tour of the bwf would is helpful to the body and that break might have actually helped him recharge he missed the badminton asia championships right before the uber cup so that injury definitely was there and then he got injured mid match during the quarter finals as well against malaysia so in that sense to have him fit and at 100% was more important than maybe the selection trial winning you know to to go by that method one more quick question as any and this comes from a place of ignorance so uh, but uh, for example if if a member was injured right like you said uh, this mm-hmm. happened to pranoy what what typically does happen uh, in the thomas cup do you have a replacement or do you just let that game go i uh, any thoughts on that so uh, if it was before the match there was priyanshu rajavath who was the fourth player in the squad he was the one who won the selection trials uh, okay. if if it was a mid match retirement then there would be no no option and i okay. don't i mean just to add it's not like a place of ignorance or anything these are questions that we are asking now and it's because the team is performing well now so you know right. it's positive that we ask such questions it shows that india is doing well in that sport that that is that is 100% true uh, but the, it also has to do with a little bit of our ignorance as well because we don't fall as much as badminton as we <laughs> should uh, but uh, talk to us about the coaching staff because usually in in wins like this the backroom staff tend to not get as much credit as they usually deserve you spoke briefly about uh, mathias do the uh, the danish coach who came into the four and i know pulela gopichan is there so who who are all involved uh, as far as the coaching staff goes so this time it was largely an all indian staff uh, there was uh, siyadat who was coaching uh, shrikant and uh, pranoy mid match from what i saw mathias bo for uh, the doubles pair there was vijaydeep singh who's also in charge of doubles and uh, he he's been in the system like siyadat for a long time and for laksh uh, his korean coach was there i do know his name but i'm not sure i will be saying it right so i'm probably not going to say it uh-huh. uh but his his he, he had his own personal coach with him there as well uh, along with a lot of physios uh for all the listeners if you go to kidambi shrikant social media he has listed down all the support staff and backroom in his post for after the victory so we will have we have all the names there uh from like a, a big picture point of view just we spoke about how uh india's this was india's first win in the thomas cup final so do you think from like a legacy point of view or just from in the future tournaments like these do you think this is a good foundation to build on or do you think this will continue to build on or do you think this is just one of those tournaments where everything fell into place all the all the dominoes fell to uh, to india everybody was fit i know you sh- you still need uh, the rub of the green to uh, be on your side but do you think it was a case of everything coming together at the same time uh, or do you think that this is a start of uh, great things to come given how they played and the whole support system and everything like that i would say a bit of both yes india has the 
three of their best singles players playing at the same time without injury in good form at the same time which is a great slice of luck and at the same time the rise of men's doubles badminton in satvik and chirag but this will definitely have a domino effect in the other way a lot more youngsters maybe want to play doubles now you know they uh, even the see satvik and chirag at that level on the other hand i would uh, i would say that yes this is the start of something but the bench strength is something which we really need to focus on and not and not just in terms of men's if you see the women's team it was just pv sindhu and the rest of the three players were very young and upcoming so bench strength still has to be built and this should be seen as a you know big big inspiration for indians to play regularly at that level again i had a question i was trying to quickly follow up on what actually happened to the uber cup because i'm interested to know uh so you briefly mentioned that there was uh, pv sindhu and a relatively young team so if you could uh, maybe just give us like a overview of where the indian team was and uh, what what we did in the uber cup that would be great a really upcoming pair of doubles they were in the semi finals of the all england and they won the selection trials as well so they were in great form but because of injury to gayatri gopichand they couldn't play together the singles was led by pv sindhu and the three trials winners which is akarshi kashyap ashmita chaliha and unnati huda who's only 14 years old so we're wow. in the right step when it comes to building bench strength uh, saina nehwal did not participate in selection trials because of the timing and she needed time to recover physically after the european leg and these three girls won now sindhu is a top 10 player whereas these girls are still you know in ranked in the 50s and 60s and unnati is ranked much lower but that's not the key point about her it because of the singles uh, inexperience and the combination of injury to two very good doubles players india could not reach uh, beyond you know india uh, beyond the quarter finals they have as i said in the past reached two semi finals and have two bronze medals which was a time where indian women's badminton was doing really well with sindhu saina ashwini ashwini panappa doing really well uh, this time i still i would still say reaching the quarter finals was good uh, they lost to korea in the group stage who were the eventual champions so that that sort of tells you the other achievement in in the last week that took place which was uh, uh, the tale of nikhat zareen nikhat zareen uh, winning the gold medal in the 52 kilograms uh, category in the world championships in istanbul she became the first uh, in indian boxer uh, since merikom that was what 14 years ago to win at the world championships uh, so zinia ta- i know she's from i think she's from guwahati so zinia talk to us about uh, nikhat has she been on the circuit for some time now has she been uh, in the background for a bit or is this one of those things where uh uh everything fell in place for her or was was this just a slow build towards achieving this gold medal uh no it was definitely a uh, some she's it was definitely expected of her i would say if uh, based on her caliber she has been around for a while but why you haven't heard of her much is because she is in the flyweight category which is the same as merikom and in the past there have been several unsavory situations where merikom and nikhatzreen have been pitted against each other uh, to name a few uh, in 2019 ahead of the world championship the boxing federation of india said that there will be no trials for that category and merikom can get a direct entry 
which Nikhat felt was very unfair to her, and she raised her voice about this, which was not, which did not go very well with the administrators in two thousand twenty, and later for the Olympics again, the clash was between Mary and Mary Com and Nikhat, and that time a trial was held, and Mary Com did win that trial, but there was this one acrimonious incident where Mary Com very Supposedly, rhetorically asked, "Who is Nick? Who is Nikhat Zarin? I have not heard of her." In context of the trial and in context of them being competitors for the same slot. Uh, now at Tokyo, it was Mary Com, and after that, she's decided to not take part in the World Championship and the Asian Games, which are now cancelled, which then opened up the slot for Nikhat Zarin to take up that position. And in a very beautiful, poetic way. Uh, Mary Com is the most successful boxer at the World Boxing World Championship. She has eight medals, six of them gold, and since two thousand one, even before women's boxing was an Olympic sport. So Nikhat is now the first woman since Mary Com to win to become world champion in boxing. In the same category in which once she fought with Mary Com, off off the ring to be able to play for India, and it does seem very poetic. Also, Nikhat had injury issues in about 2017, 18, which is why again there was a setback to her career, and you would not have heard much of her doing well at these big events. And I also believe, uh, finally, after this uh, win, uh, that Mary Com had a tweet congratulating Nikhat, and uh, it seems to uh, end well. So that's good. Yeah, about a day later, Mary Com tweeted, and the two of them met. I believe just this morning, Nikhat put up a picture of her and Mary Corbin talking about getting blessings from her idol, which is great. I mean, I'm glad both of them can put this incident behind her. And even Nikhat does not mention that incident much. She had written a letter to the ministry, etc., for a fair trial. And who knows? Maybe that that is what spurred her to now becoming the world champion. Yeah, for sure. It can it can definitely be. You know, when whenever the administrators get into this, it's always. going to be a bit of a muddy ground but in this case it could be who knows if if, if two players two athletes are in the same category competing for the same position uh, athletes are proud people so i'm sure there was some uh, uh, ego things going around uh, in the air i'm pretty sure i uh, just a guess but th- that's my that's my reading of it uh, having said that uh, looks like from here on uh, azinia nikhat is going to the commonwealth games after this she's going to be in the 50 kilogram category and then uh, on to the paris olympics olympics so is she going to be a, uh, one of the favorites going into both of these tournaments uh so commonwealth games we do not know whether she, uh, she would be going because the trials have so far only been held for the world championship and the asian games which is where mary uh, excluded herself from the commonwealth game trials will be happening early june after that we will know who will be representing india uh at the same time i I wonder whether Nikhat Zarin will be given the same concession Mericom once was, where you get an exemption from trial because of your past performance. So that is something we wait on. Although I must add that Lavlina, who won a bronze at the Tokyo Olympics, did take part in the trials and was there at the World Championship herself. She could not uh, medal this time, and but that is how sport is. You, it consistency is difficult in in truth. So I don't think we should read too much into it. As for the Commonwealth Games, let's see how and when India's team is finally announced in boxing. 
Uh, you don't have to answer this, but this question conversation has triggered a thought. I'm so curious to find out how the administration backend works. Uh, just because as an Indian, uh, I do like sport, but I feel I'm so distant uh, from uh, the Indian sporting ecosystem that I rarely actually understand what goes on at the backend to get an athlete playing at a championship or uh, at an event representing India. And, uh, you know, someday maybe we could talk about that because uh, I find that very fascinating on how, how we have a system that's working and what would the loopholes in the system are, what are the good things about the system are and so on. But that's just a thought. You know, on a small, small personal story, when I want, decided to become a sports journalist, I always thought it would be watching matches and interviewing players. But once you are, you realize you are listening to court hearings like the Novak Djokovic in Australia case or the BCCI Supreme Court case, or you're listening or, or you're trying to understand how selection trials work. Like for the badminton selection trials, there was this 10-page letter that I was trying to decode and write an explainer about how how and why the selection trials are being held a certain way. Or if it is shooting, there is there was this one Olympic Committee re- report after the 2016 Olympic heartbreak about the changes that need to be made. So, well... Being a sports journalist is you have to be a bit of an all-rounder there. You need to understand court documents too sometimes. For sure, and I think for for, <laughs> for any any job, I think it's the same for any profession. Uh, any so-called quote-unquote good jobs, it's you. They're usually not as sexy as they sound. But <laughs> I, I would still, I would still definitely t- love to be a sports journalist. But yeah, reading court documents, transcripts. Sometimes reading medical reports and diagnoses of players. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like hunting around for uh, uh, like reports of some kind after a tough loss or something like that. It's 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 it it can be it can be quite taxing and very tedious job sometimes. Yeah, but and it exposes being... no, so and ahead. it exposes exposes a part of the system where there is a certain dis- disillusionment, you know, but there is there is so much going beyond the scenes that you're not I would say you should be happy that you're able to enjoy Indian sport just from the front end without having to <laughs> worry too much about the not so nice aspects. I think that's, I was... that's a great thing about being a sports fan. You can just enjoy the actual triumph and defeats. I was just going to say, maybe you someday we can sit down again with Zenia and have a decoding the sport ecosystem <laughs> episode uh. of trying to understand what goes on. But... Hey, no, I haven't understood it fully it. myself. <laughs> I haven't fully understood it myself to be able to decode it, but let's see. Yeah, but I think, uh, again, Zina, thank you so much for taking some time. But I think we should, before we close, I know you follow tennis. So give us some uh, French Open predictions, Zina. What do you think? I know we are just in the end of the first round. <laughs> I don't see a lot of upsets right now uh, yet, uh, neither in the men's or the women's side. But uh, what are your predictions? Oh, you know, this this might be one of the most easiest grand slams to predict the winner but the most difficult to predict the finalist yeah uh, i should tweet this but uh, <laughs> uh, jokes apart uh, i would go with the two top seeds Djokovic and iga swiatek are best placed to win this on the other hand i can't quite figure out who will be the finalist or even the semi-finalist given how the draws are placed and given how unpredictable things seem right now Anz Jabor was supposed to be a very good pick for final. She lost in the first round. Uh, Rafael Nadal is probably not at his peak physical prowess, which 
which does not mean we can rule him out but which does mean that he's not as easy a favorite as he was in the past i just want like a grand slam where there is so much drama happening that even though we knew the eventual winners it will still be fun oh yeah for sure for sure who are your picks i would if nadal is playing on clay i'm always going to pick nadal uh, pick nadal on clay women's side it, i feel like anybody is going to win any given tournament but you said shwetek so maybe that's probably going to happen but uh, women's side I've, i've stopped predicting unless serena is playing on hard courts or grass uh, i'm not i'm not picking anybody else as far as women's singles go absolutely yeah. i don't think any of us can predict it anymore even if we tried <laughs> yeah. this was uh, but yeah she, as as she is a world number one she's a former champion here and she's on a 29 match winning streak so she has made it slightly easier this year but i can't tell you who she's going to play in the final it could be a qualifier at this stage for all we know <laughs> yeah i wanted to uh, get a few recommendations from zinia to enrich the lives of our listeners so zinia yeah zinia yeah, don't to... recommend your piece because uh, i'm i'm recommending your piece <laughs> on espn india for okay. badminton okay thank you uh, i yeah for nikhat zareen there is a lovely profile done by uh, jonathan in sports star the magazine i would recommend that uh, for for badminton there are a couple of pieces uh, my former team at and the field at scroll.in have done a great job covering thomas cup and there is this piece uh, which is about satvik and chirag which has both statistics and quotes from uh, satvik's brother and a few of their peers to really understand how how their rise is so crucial to indian badminton and the thomas cup victory so these two pieces i would go i would say you should read to understand more about these two world championship victories for india Awesome, awesome, Zinia. Thank you again for uh, uh, coming on our uh, little podcast and uh, sharing your views and insights. We we always learn so much from you. We learned we did the same thing when we covered the Olympics with you. So thanks again for taking your time and uh, really appreciate you coming on. It was absolutely my pleasure. As we spoke about the team dynamics in a team sport in the same way, discussing sport with with fellow fans is. what makes it better than than covering it individually so thank you so much for having me right anike let's talk about the premier league uh it all came down to the last day last game uh man city was uh, uh liverpool was playing uh, wolverhampton wanderers man city was playing aston villa going into the last uh, week man city was ahead by one point which meant that city had to win to basically seal the title but if it was any other result if it was a draw or a city loss it meant that they were completely dependent on liverpool going in uh, liverpool uh, was playing wolverhampton wanderers so uh, man city couldn't afford to slip up so kind of a very dramatic well not a kind of a lot of deja vu to to, to the 2012 season oh yeah and it was so let's start from there right so uh, 2012 City clinch it three two in the last I think ninety fourth minute and uh, that's a shout out to our episode I think we should uh, it may be a good time sometime in the future to put that uh, recall and yeah yeah put that episode out which we had recorded back in the day but that being said so I was watching uh, like you said this game on two screens and one was on mute and the other with commentary so that you know the eye and the ears. absolute sensory overload that day and i had a blast but um, yeah so uh, coming to the liverpool wolverhampton game right so uh, i i remember texting you briefly i think it was in the early minutes of this game cuz wolves got in front i think in the third minute 
so neto uh, put uh, put a clinical finish there on an open net obviously and liverpool seemed a little uh, taken aback but i had no doubts that they were going to come back and it was a matter of time when sala equalized in the 24th minute and from then oh, on mane. i sorry yeah 84th was sala right you're right so sadio mane uh, equalized and from that point onwards i think uh, by that point uh, i if i'm not wrong aston villa were already leading one goal to nil and i had my doubts if this uh, would go city's way and i think i made that clear for you to you so, on on text as well so yeah go yeah, ahead so i did, i deliberately didn't text with you a lot because i wanted to talk about uh, the games today uh, but Yes, as soon as Liverpool went up in the sorry not uh, Liverpool went down in the third minute. Uh, I was like, "Oh, okay, so this might have uh, this might be a little this might be a little interesting." But as you said, it was a uh, only a matter of when and not if with Liverpool. They were always going to score. I think they were always going to win this match. I personally I had no doubts at all that uh, Liverpool was going to lose anything like that. Uh, so, not for a second. Yep. No, not for a second. So it was always it was always Man City we, we, I was looking at based on just a track record they had everything to lose remember they just lost the champions league in such brutal fashion against uh, madrid uh, they had uh, they needed to win this to get something out of this season uh, they had more to lose liverpool was still in the hunt for the quadruple right so there's they still have the champions league final they have uh, the premier league still in the still in the still under grabs and they have two more uh, tournaments coming up so they have all of this going on uh, so as soon as liverpool went down i i knew they, they were going to come back and sadio mane scored and that was like as soon as they equalized i knew they were winning it and in the mean so this was the 24th minute all the games were happening at the same time right so as, this was uh, a weird day in terms of footballing style for these two teams because what worked eventually for the underdogs which were the wolves and aston villa was direct playing direct football it was like goalkeeper to to the striker he heads heads it on who plays it on to the another guy running forward and scores it was a really weird day that way it was it was one of those days when you know most of the sophisticated tactics go out of the window yeah and that's what Uh, I mean, technically not a final, right? But the final day is all about it's. Uh, yes. It's it's about that final game, and when things like that come into play, there is so much you can do on the tactical front. But it's more about being there in that moment. And you're right, because uh, yeah, I have nothing more to add. uh yeah so the even the i was i was watching the the wolves highlights again liverpool wolves highlights wolves had some good chances in, in the first half they should have converted and so did aston villa you know they went they went up uh, with the maddy cash header it was just normal cross there is a great header a great finish that set the cat among the pigeons for the city even but even after uh, the sadio mane scored on the in the liverpool's game uh Wolverhampton Wanderers still had some chances they did they had two good chances but uh you know the the luck was not with them but going into the half time right uh it was Liverpool one I have a question for you though, yeah, about them so before the ga- game was decided whom were you rooting for and why so yeah so this is this is an interesting question so i was i, I was rooting I was hope not rooting well I was I was 
hoping a little bit that man city would win because i really really felt bad for them <laughs> given how they lost against the almeria sympathy win yeah it it was sympathy uh, you know the liverpool team has a lot to play for and they have they have the champions league final and you know this might still end up with only a uh, zero and two trophies or who knows what it or how they will end up in the season but given how this uh, manchester city lost in the champions league i really felt bad for them and also i'm a, there's no secret i love kevin de bruyne it's it's uh, at least for him i wanted city to win because he was such a sullen figure in the champions league semi final uh he he got subbed they were ahead and then uh, madrid came back and won so it was weird it was a re- just a weird semi final in the champions league so i was rooting for city what about you yeah same here i wanted uh, city to win a uh, for de bruyne b uh, i do like pep guardiola ex barcelona manager i w- always had a soft corner for him but most importantly I didn't want Liverpool to win the quadruple. So <laughs> it was coming more from that said and don't get me wrong I'm they have to win the Champions League. I want them to win the Champions League but I did not want them to win the Premier League and I was like hoping some other club would take <laughs> it and City was there so uh yeah absolutely. So yeah going into the going into the second half or at half time uh it was Liverpool 1 Wolverhampton Wanderers 1 so will they were they were equal on points there so liverpool technically still trailing on goal difference because city was losing so that meant uh live table reflected uh, man city at 90 points and liverpool at 90 points but city ahead with goal difference uh so going into the second half again i was like it is 1-1 liverpool are going to score at some point even if it was even if it had to wait till the 65th whatever however minute how long it was uh i was sure liverpool was going to uh, score so i was my big screen was on the city game uh, city still continue to look edgy man i mean i can understand because they had to attack but they were very vulnerable at the back aniket oh yeah and like you said uh, uh, and you mentioned the early part all it took was like one good ball that would just leave them uh, hanging and let's not forget aston villa are pretty good right so they they uh, they've had well not pretty good but they've had a decent season obviously it's gerard's debut as a, in the premier league as a manager so his first season yeah but hey uh, he had maybe some stake in this cuz he's an ex liverpool player as well and i don't i have no doubts that he wouldn't mind liverpool winning uh if they could beat uh, manchester city too so that was all, i i did notice that a lot on social media so there was this whole uh, talk about how gerard would help liverpool uh, win the one title that uh, he could not get while he was a player so i'm sure it was running in his mind but that's that is probably not uh, the primary thing running on his mind i'm for sure i i'm pretty sure it's not at that point you just care about getting through your game uh, yeah. i think i think it's uh, Yeah, it's definitely not on the top 3 priorities uh, when you're playing a, a game in the Premier League, I believe. Yeah. So, I was talking about how uh, playing direct was working just great uh for Aston Villa as well as uh, the Wolves. So, coming into the second half, uh there were uh, Ollie Watkins who was the striker for Villa. Uh there was a long ball from the goal the goal kick from the goalkeeper. just gets through uh, the man city defense somehow ollie watkins goes through straight in uh, it was him and the goalkeeper 
I thought he was going to score because he he beat the goalkeeper, right? He he put the put the ball past the goalkeeper. It was going in. The ball kind of if you I don't know if you saw the replay or not, and it spins away. It was it was headed to the goal and then it spun away. It was crazy. I thought that was two nil for sure. Oh yeah, and uh, at that point, I, I I remember going like, oh, this game is done because just yeah. uh, from the fact that. They were so vulnerable at the back, uh, City, that it just felt like okay. So with these guys, especially with Oliver Watkins, who's physical and fast, right? Yeah. So it's not like and uh, I. Uh, so remind me again, who was playing on the right back? Because it was not Kyle Walker, who no, was, it was John uh, Stones. John, yep. So it was John Stones who was playing at the right back, and uh, yeah, they did seem vulnerable and. In a matter of, I think uh, I don't remember exactly when all of this thing happened, but around the 69th minute, Felipe Coutinho uh, scores uh, for Aston Villa, and let Again, me direct. tell exactly. And and let me remind you, at this point, Liverpool is still one-one. So at this point, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is sealed. Like this is done. I mean, you think like, oh, maybe City will come back. There's a. I thought that. Oh, but I'm like, come on, let's be realistic. This is the final day. Never my wildest dreams. I expected a comeback, and yeah, but let's talk about the Coutinho goal though. It was again direct. Ali Watkins gets the flick on header. Uh, Coutinho goes through. I think it was he was against he was up against Stones or it was it might have been Ferendini. I'm not exactly sure. But what a brilliant first touch, man! He just gets the ball and on the first touch cuts it to his right. Just has a slightly it has a very slight opening and just just finishes. Such a great 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 technical footballer Coutinho is again a former Liverpool guy. Yeah, was part uh, of the Gerard squad by the way when uh, they just missed out. Yeah, and uh, when since you're talking about first touches, let's uh, rewind back a little bit and that touch uh, that pass from Thiago for the first goal that Sadio Mane scored. Uh, Call back to that. Oh, that was. Fabulous. I mean, it was fantastic to see how that pass. It was. It was some sense a blind pass too, right? But it just opened up everything. Like yeah. uh, the river. I mean, what the sea opens up for Moses. What What is the famous the parting uh, of the Red Sea? Yeah. Parting of the Red Sea. Yeah. So it was like that, and the ball just threw, and it's money. It was one on one. So it was pretty uh, fantastic. So it was so, some great footballing we saw. Yeah, so by the 69th minute, now we are at uh, uh, minute 69. Liverpool is still uh, level with Wolves at 1-1. City is now in the in the doldrums, right? They're down 2-0. Now City technically still up, but again, you knew Liverpool was going to win that game. They were going to score. So they had to somehow come back from uh, uh, the hole here. But complete deja vu for two, two, with uh, 2012 again. Aniket, when, you know, City were down 2-1 against QPR. Remember the equalize going into halftime in 2012. And then QPR gets a red card, but still go ahead in the second half. It was 2-1. Yep. Um, so, uh, interestingly enough, so now we're about the 70th minute mark. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, it, it's now time for subs. Pep makes some uh, substitutions. Uh, Ilka Gunduan comes in for Bernardo Silva. Raheem Sterling comes in for uh, Mares, And Zinchenko comes in for Fernandinho. Which meant that John Stones came to the center and Zinchenko was able to, uh, you know, play play from the play as the wing back essentially uh, uh, you know sometimes these subs work sometimes these don't uh, it was a question of uh, this time Guardiola had all of those three substitutions uh, playing a part in uh, the city's win 
Oh, exactly. And uh, a shout out to Ilkay Gundogan, who has had, I think, a great season this time yeah. for uh, Manchester City. Uh, again, is he, I think he is he the top scorer. I think he is the top scorer for uh, City in terms of yes, for yes, goals, I think right? So. Yeah, yeah. So he's had a fantastic season, and I mean. You know, we always blame a manager when things go wrong. I I put my hand up when we spoke about how Guardiola pulled De Bruyne out from the Champions League and how he got yeah. tactics wrong. This is the time when you say, okay, it was a masterclass or a brilliant tactical move. Uh, but the bottom line is, we talk about this only when things work out or don't work out, right? So, yeah. in this, this is one of those classic cases where it actually worked out uh, exactly as planned. Only and immediately can, too. Exactly. And only Pep can tell us uh, if this is exactly what was on his mind. I hope he speaks to us someday, if you're listening, Pep. <laughs> yeah, so, Pep. Yeah, if you're listening to us. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, no, you're right. And I think the first goal comes uh, 76 minute from Ilkay Gundogan, who who was uh, what we call an impact sub in this particular game. Yeah, 76 minute, Sterling again, one of the other subs, uh, cuts to the right and crosses the ball and quite a great header from Gundogan. So he makes it 2-1. Uh, 76 minute, we are still trailing, uh, but uh, uh, the hope is back. Uh, everybody's up now. Uh, Pep uh, in the in the press conference said there's no answer to some of these questions. He's he just used the M word again. He says it's just he said it's just momentum. So I was like, okay, if he says it's momentum, there is something to it. Who are we to uh, dispute his argument, right? Uh, now, 76 minute Sterling scores. Uh, 78th minute, Zinchenko, who is the other substitution, cuts in from the left. Uh, just made, instead of crossing the ball directly into the box, he passes to Rodri, who's waiting at the end of the box. This was like a classic uh, Frank Lampard, Paul Scholes kind of goal where the midfielders are just waiting at the end of the box for them to get the ball and somehow finish it. But contrary to how Lampard or Scholes would have finished, he finished he placed it at the bottom of the net wonderfully. What a goal. What a finish. He, See, he passed it, it into the goal. Not a right? So if you're playing FIFA, it's uh, <laughs> just finesse from outside the D. So it was fantastic, and yeah. So and it was it was neat. Actually, uh, I, when I saw the replay, I was surprised the keeper didn't get to it. But then hey, it was a very well placed uh, shot uh, right at the bottom corner. So yeah, he was also a little blinded by the Villa defender too. So I'm sure he saw the ball very late. Right. Also, but wonderful finish. But at this point, it was 78th minute, right? So we have two goals in two minutes or two goals in three minutes. Uh, the 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 momentum is completely now shifted to City. It, they have what 13 minutes to go or 12 minutes to go plus uh, extra time, added time. So now there is a legitimate chance. So now I'm sitting on my uh, like I've I kind of sat up now, right? So uh, this, by the way, Liverpool was still attacking, attacking, attacking on the other end. Uh, Mane had some. Mane came on. Mane, remember, did not even start the game. So Mane came on at around the 60th minute or the 57th minute mark, I think. You mean Salah? So, Salah. Oh, sorry, Salah. Yeah, yeah. I did the same mistake again. Salah came <laughs> on at the 56th, 57th minute. They continued to attack, but with little luck. Uh, uh, but City uh, came, City came back. Two, two. It is two, two. And then 81st minute, uh, De Bruyne just steals, steals a ball, cuts into the box. I don't know if he saw Gundogan or not, if he or if he just blindly made, uh, made, made a pass across goal. But man, what a what a cross for Gundogan's tap in. Just it was almost as if he was on uh, autopilot. Yeah, and. Uh 
just given the season city have had and my love for de bruyne i think it couldn't have been a better end to yeah. this season with uh, de bruyne assisting a goal so the the wool the villa defender was little uh, sleeping at was caught little uh, uh, sleeping so de bruyne was just quick to act was just faster than him uh stole the ball uh, cut into the box and just the cross i don't know how he put it perfect it was just far in a, far away from the goalkeeper for him to intercept and it was just perfect for gundogan who was waiting in the far post it's just and of course the now the whole stadium is just shaking right you know when we you know how i realize when it is really insane in the stadium the atmosphere is when the camera actually shakes i think i've said this earlier also you can see the camera actually shaking because it is so yeah. loud and everybody is so jumping for joy i think i don't know what it is but the camera always shakes a little bit when it was when it's truly truly loud yeah and it was let me tell you so i had neutrals uh, in my house watching the game right so uh, my wife and her friend were also watching the game uh, not the uh, most enthusiastic people about sport but boy were they having a blast and uh, cuz they were seeing this and i was just trying to give them some context of what's happening and when it was when man city were 2-2 that's it everyone was just looking at their tv there was absolute radio silence no one's talking and just wondering what's going to happen yeah. next and then even at our place the place just erupted when the third goal was scored so it was it was, yeah. it was something and i love that about sport six and a half minutes i think is uh, yeah. when series come back uh, was uh, three goals in six and a half minutes that meant city were up 3-2 now they were sitting at 93 and comfortable right but in the meantime it was this is in the 81st minute Uh, two or three minutes later, in the 84th minute, Salah scored uh, for, for Liverpool, uh, finally. So, it made 2-1. The news was not there yet that, that City had uh, come back and uh, they're up by, by, by a goal. So, Salah was really celebrating. All of Liverpool, Anfield was really celebrating. And you could... I saw this in one of the Instagram accounts. Somebody shared it. So, there was... Salah scores. Everybody celebrates uh, some, somewhere near the corner flag. And then, you know, players are like jumping for joy and fist pumping the crowd and all of that. And then the crowd actually, the spectators actually let the team know. He goes, no, no, it's, it's, they're pointing two fingers and says 3-2 over there, it's 3-2 over there. And like, everybody then like settles down a little, little bit. Knowing that, you know, fully knowing that things were out of their control at that point. Absolutely. And this is another uh, thing I noticed, right? So back in the day, there used to be uh, transistors. uh folks yes. listening listening to the other game and now you yeah. could see that the spectators were on their uh, mobile phones like actually But did you see mo- that one guy though anike did you see that one guy i don't know if you caught it or not there was this one guy who actually had a legitimate transistor he was listening to he was oh, like, really? okay, like no, this old school like a black box with an antenna on it is it is so funny he was actually yeah. listening to the commentary on like a transistor Uh, fantastic so but yeah this this was uh, you know modern football where <laughs> the audience are in the game but also closely monitoring what's happening at the other end and i think the camera kept panning to this because uh, you could see the spectators a lot of times just because yeah. and especially these two games were like so close going up and down it was it was exciting that's that's the beauty of live sport can't beat live sport at all so one city was up 3-2 uh Uh, uh, uh things were in control at the etihad uh, uh, everybody was i think everybody then settled down a little bit it was not as dramatic as 2012 but the scoreline was still 3-2 it was still exciting game city was still down and had to come back so it was great uh, comeback wins are always huge and it just gives that 
extra extra layer of uh, layer to the celebrations uh but yeah once they were up 3-2 uh, city were firmly in control at that point they played the classic game of uh, take the ball to the corner flag just keep the ball there uh kick it against villas defenders throw it in they just i, I think it probably spent what five minutes over there in the corner flag oh yeah uh, and uh I, yeah i did i think they did what they had to they were at home yeah they were yeah. at home it was not it was not time wasting or anything like they were playing yeah. legitimately they had, i had no gripes with that at all yeah they had they did what they had to uh i must tell you though that i was a little uh skeptical uh about uh not not the way they were playing but i was like when teams tend to do what wh- this right there is always that chance that uh, complacency sets in and you can let something go uh, and i'm always worried about uh, time wasting what it's called right yeah. so uh, shit housery as the british people call it yeah so uh, i was uh, skeptical but hey uh, they saw it through and uh, after that it was crazy scenes yeah but did you did you feel like they wasted time like illegitimately or do you think they did, did no. it the right way no i, I think it, yeah. i think it was fine yeah there was nothing yeah. uh the only thing uh the perspective i said it from is that uh when teams get into that zone of like you know we just have to see the game through yes uh yeah. mistakes happen like and we've True. seen it uh so i was saying it from that perspective but yeah i had no qualms with uh what they did though i must tell you uh I think this is uh, a subtle difference between uh, so I follow La Liga uh, as much as I can and I notice a subtle difference that barring this game because this game is like a final it's an outlier it does it's not a good data point but you see that a lot of Premier League teams in the final minutes take the ball to this corner flag and you know they're uh, doing this what I noticed in la liga is that it is not the case you know <laughs> teams are still like yeah. even in like 89 minute they're like all out running on the flank to go and uh, try and score a goal so except for atletico madrid yeah, for sure yeah you said that right <laughs> so but yeah i just noticed this uh, i mean uh, thing and i thought oh, it was interesting yeah yeah i mean that that that's the way i mean city it's not the first time city have done it they've always oh for sure ha- and I, again uh, for the record like i have no qualms especially on the final like uh, i would want my team to do only do that <laughs> so yeah, exactly. to see the game through but yeah, yeah. no th- also the, ro- the 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 roller coaster of emotions right people are fatigued it's such an emotional high it, it wears down on you 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 don't have anything in you to you know again attack and move forward so they played it yeah. safe uh, and no qualms let's not forget uh, the previous game city played was west ham right uh, where yeah. they were down 2-0 so yeah they uh, came back and drew yeah they came back and drew so Uh, obviously they're not playing champions league but uh, they, they they've not had the best uh, momentum to, towards this final right if you, because yeah. just because of the uh, events that played out before so yeah. it i think it would have been uh, much neater if they would have just finished the west ham game and it, it would have been yeah. more comfortable but hey uh, they like pep said they always make it hard for themselves so True. and then uh, the substitutions again the pep took out uh, de bruyne in the in the champions league semi final a little earlier than expected now he did not make any such mistake this time and uh, it proved to be the right thing to do uh, because de, you, that's why you keep players like de bruyne on the field at all times you have yeah. he might have an average game he might have a below average game he might be losing balls here and there but all it takes is one bit of magic right one great pass or one great finish or just one great skill to uh, to get your team ahead or score a goal so that's why you keep players like de bruyne always on the field yeah for sure 
right and i think that was a lesson learned the hard way uh, rather unfortunately though because I, uh, once that again we go back to the champions league game but once that tebran substitution happened there was almost no one left to like really yeah. propel the team and we spoke about yeah. it in a previous episode you know there was a lack of leadership there yeah. and uh, yeah tebran gave them that final assist so uh, he's he's a phenomenal player i i really really enjoy watching him guy. he's i think he he's he can do anything he he has the range of passing he has the range of shooting uh he's uh decently quick he's good with the ball at his feet so unselfish unselfish and uh yeah it's one of these interviews that i saw this back in the day four years back or something but uh if i remember correctly he does say that he enjoys assisting more than scoring actually so yeah. and i'm not surprised because his game is like that all right i uh, just hope uh, belgium win the world cup at some point in 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 his lifetime in his career lifetime we'll see uh see, so where where does this where does this put uh, man city uh, in the premier league pantheon now man city has won four titles in the last five years so they're by and by far i know we have liverpool in the last five years as well but uh, the record speaks for itself city has won four in the last five years uh, they are only second to manchester united to have uh more premier league titles than anybody else which is a little unfair uh, in my view because premier league only started what 91 92 season around that time so it's a little unfair on the other teams who won earlier like liverpool so and uh, I, i don't take the premier league stats too seriously because they are fairly recent but still if you just look at the recent track record city has been the team to beat even with uh, liverpool's uh, superior development well not superior development but liverpool's charge uh, charge as well uh, absolutely and uh, i think people don't uh, i i don't say don't understand but i think overlook the fact that this is actually one of the toughest leagues in the world right now right at back in the day i would have maybe even indulged in a debate saying you know there are other leagues but at least for the last 2 3 years that we have seen especially this year uh this is clearly one of the most competitive leagues i clearly from the standpoint of managers i think some of the finest managers in the world are right now in this league uh you have some of the best players uh who are in this league so it is a competitive league uh it is an excruciating league uh, uh and one thing that goes is you know they still don't have a winter break so it gets pretty crazy and i'd recommend uh, anyone who's not aware of how gru- grueling this gets go and watch any of the all in or nothing seasons uh, and a typically winter uh, christmas time uh, is a jam packed season and everyone's like uh, you know just playing recovering playing recovering mode so yeah and it is not easy given the competition so yeah you can't take anything away winning four time out of five is uh, is a deal Pep has uh, shown he can win leagues now. I think he's gone and won leagues in every uh, league that he's managed in. What eludes him is the mythical Champions League that he's not got after leaving Barcelona. So, yeah. Yeah, that that's that is probably his one and only aim at this point uh, with City. But yes, you are absolutely right. Uh City had to because it is such a tough league. City were up at up by like 8 points at one point, 8 or 9 points. So they were clearly ahead, but given how good the Premier League is and how good the other teams are, especially Liverpool, 
they there was invariably going to be a run a late run from the other teams and liverpool did make that run so city had to hold on which is where their resiliency came to the fore so four titles in five years i'm sure they have more titles in in their bag coming up uh, as long as pep is there they'll continue to be good everybody's invested in it uh, i'm sure pep will continue to focus on the champions league we'll see what happens next year but it's not going to happen this year for champions league but a well deserved uh, title in the end now i do want to really, add though yeah. uh, gotham so uh, that uh, you know a, a mid season a lot of uh, questions did come uh, to the forefront about man city because they had no out and out striker no number 10 and uh, goals just didn't seem to be coming at one point right so there there was another reason uh, all these questions uh, were being asked of how would uh, pep actually uh, play and uh, given all these uh, challenges they had uh, it's a well deserved title but let's not take anything away from liverpool like they are a fantastic team and i think in on any other day they would be worthy winners like and they even showed it the way they um, handled it after you know they did everything they could from their end and yeah. uh, it was one of those things which is just not meant to be because it was beyond their control at this point it was uh, to draw <laughs> to draw a parallel something like felipe massa in uh, interlagos <laughs> when <laughs> hamilton won right you do everything from your end and then you just yeah. hope for the best and it just it was not one of those their days yeah absolutely and they just did that and they still have a lot to play for the season so uh, they, i'm sure they'll win some kind of silverware they're going into the champions league you can't ca- count real madrid out but they're going in as liverpool is going in as the favorites for sure oh, i so, want them to win uh, hell, yeah liverpool please <laughs> please liverpool don't want to win. win they've won enough no yeah they've had uh, enough <laughs> for this season they've hammered us uh, by how many points they wanted to it's good to yeah. know but uh, i i really it's, hope liverpool go and win By the way, the Champions League final is this weekend on the 28th. Uh, we are going to have just a special episode on the Champions League. Our reaction maybe sometime next week. We'll probably record a small, a short episode of... We'll see how long that goes, but we're going to have a quick recap of the Champions League final next week. Uh, anything more to add, Aniket, about the yes. Liverpool Got City them. matches? Yeah, go Not ahead. about the Liverpool City. I think uh, we've spoken enough about that. But if you're done with that... I did yes. want to talk about uh, Everton and their uh, staying in the Premier League. So I thought that was It was some... looking bleak there for a moment, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it was. It was looking oh my god, it was looking terrible. Uh, to be very honest with you, uh but again, hey, what a game, you know, what a comeback and this is what uh, sport is about because Crystal Palace at one point seemed to be cruising like they were comfortable so for the viewers who don't know we're talking about everton's 3-2 comeback from a 2-0 uh deficit that they were in and this was not on the last day. it was the it was the, the penalty mid yeah. yeah so it was the penalty mid game and man uh, everton had to basic so they were basically battling for relegation which is uh something in itself when you talk about everton and relegation in one line yeah. but uh hey and they had uh Frank Lampard as their manager who has now successfully evaded relegation for a club so yeah and it was i thought it was a great game they showed character i don't know if you want to add anything to that but um, yeah no just just usually you know everton is a classic mid table uh, team right they usually finish 8th 9th 
and they're happy then they're like always grumpy about it they're you know they're like okay it's nine we are done but this is ironically this is the time when everybody's celebrating because everton finished 16th uh now they were literally in the bottom three for for some time uh, they they had a string of bad bad losses things were looking down they had a really good team they have uh Uh, but you know just the, the the win saluted them even the draw saluted them they just kept losing so it was it was a great comeback they were playing uh, i believe they were playing at goodison park so there was the whole pitch invasion right after the, yeah, they came back the with third two, goal, two goals which down. is sad to uh, see yeah and then did you see the footage of patrick viera hitting somebody So no, oh really the, no i did not the, there was a pitch invasion there's obviously at the end of the game so every fan started swarming onto the pitch the uh, viera was just leaving leaving the stadium to the to the dressing rooms and obviously there are these jackass fans who are trying to taunt him and do all kinds of stuff crystal palace just lost and patrick viera you know does not take any crap so <laughs> they're taunting and taunting and then all of a sudden he turns around and just grabs hold of this guy and just yeah, i think kicks him with his leg or something so it oh. it is not a good 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 look for everybody but i understood where uh, viera came from uh, this reminds me so uh, this happened in one of the games too was it brentford uh, the goalkeeper was actually assaulted uh, by the yes. fans i i forget the team maybe it was i i, no, I even it was villa too the the city when city uh, fans rushed onto the field Uh, right. the Villa's goalkeeper got attacked as well right got yeah. hit in the head so yeah so it was uh, it was sad to see that uh, from uh, you know fans it's yeah. always disappointing not respecting the opponent yeah. but yeah i hope things change it's sad i don't know i have nothing more to say it's just sad that's yeah. it so uh we uh, so the four teams qualifying for the champions league so the tottenham uh hotspur uh, side made it to the top 4 so that means they get automatic qualification for the champions league chelsea finished third so uh, chelsea's finishing third was always going to be sure anyway because they were in a decent spot uh arsenal uh, promising on one day not promising at all on the second on the other day classic arsenal so classic arsenal yeah so they finished fifth a uh, man united i'm surprised they finished sixth actually they should have been even further down than that based on how they played so i probably watched like 30 seconds of the united crystal palace game on on the last week just to see how it was i saw it was about the 10 minute mark i saw that they were gold down i was like okay that's done they're not winning this game there's no way and then just i flipped it to flipped it back to the liverpool game so eric ten hag took charge so we'll see where that takes us but uh, quite a quite another uh, uh, dramatic uh, epl season in the books aniket Yeah, and just to round it off, so we have we won't be seeing Burnley, Watford, and Norwich City next year, right? So yeah. they've been uh, relegated. Uh, so it was sad scenes at Turf Moor. Leeds United somehow uh, managed to stay just afloat. Just held on. So just held yeah, on. for yeah. dear life. So they are. We're going to see them, which is good. I like Leeds. I think they're an exciting team. Uh, but. Yeah, and do you know who's who's promoted next year? Who uh, who are the? Uh, uh, I think three? the Champions League. Uh, sorry, the Championship. There's the Championship playoff game still to go. I think Fulham. Yeah, Fulham have gone got automatic. Fulham and Burnmouth have got automatic qualification. I think. Okay. And yeah, uh, Nottingham Forest and uh, Huddersfield would be 
uh, involved in the playoff with the other teams. Yeah. So that's all right. We don't we'll pro- call, probably cover them in the next season. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's good to see. I always get excited to see which team is coming into the Premier League cuz hey, you'll have some teams that really surprise you. Like Brentford did this year by the way. They were like Yeah. Yeah, very like Stoke did all those uh, like 2 or 3 years ago. Yeah. But so anyway, uh do you anything else to add before we move on? Nothing more Gotham. That's it. Uh just one final thing I wanted to say uh Everton's credit I would give to Jordan Pickford who did some fantastic goalkeeping uh yeah. this year even in the even in the Crystal Palace game. I think he had some brilliant saves who basically kept them uh in the Premier League. So yeah, that's it yeah, for that. He had a great yeah, he had a great game. Uh, don't I don't really value him as a g- good goalkeeper be- just because I feel like he's a little jumpy. I it's, it's he's not it doesn't look settled to me at all times. He's always a little on the edge I think so. But yeah, total credit to him. I think with that being said Anke we should move on to the uh with Formula 1 we land with Formula 1 but I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the French Open that's been going on. Yeah, so basically just the qualifiers and the first round uh, run. I typically get into the action when <laughs> when it's like the quarters are closer or the round of 16s, right? Yeah. So, but hey, uh, Nadal is on his way. So is Djokovic. Uh, they've started their uh, what do you call? I don't know. They started their onset towards the journey towards the Roland Garros final. Let's see where they end up. Yeah. But that those two boats are on their way. And yeah, I did uh, yeah, that's about it at this point. I don't know what more to say because uh, I've not been following every game and I just realized today while going through this course, there's just so many qualifiers. So do, do you typically watch all these qualifiers? Are they no, even live I or? do not. Okay. Because, uh, hey, but by the way, there were a couple of Indian athletes who were uh, in the French Open uh, qualifiers. So, we know Yuki Bamri was there, who unfortunately yeah. did not win his first match. I think he lost in straight sets. Yeah. Uh, and then there was, uh, I forget, Ram Kumar Ramanathan, who yes. uh, basically won his first game. But I think that's where it stopped again. So, it's a, it's a tough world. I mean, uh, I've realized how competitive uh, world tennis is so it's not easy to you know just show up and be a part of a grand slam which is why i feel that women's tennis is somewhat exciting because yeah. every time i open i'm like oh i don't know most of these folks and then suddenly the round of 16 you see someone who is really promising you who's uh, there to win which is good yeah. for the sport right that's what you want you want more people uh coming in and uh, winning so yeah the men's side of the sport is right now being dominated by three legends uh, i'm saying three even though federer is not really there yeah. playing but yeah but yeah more to come on the french open for sure when we uh, when we talk to abhijit later on and uh, once the tournament sure. concludes let's uh, cut it short let's get to uh, formula 1 gotham so You said oh. it's sorry go ahead. Yeah so yeah formula let's talk about formula 1 we had the spanish grand prix uh, i was as i said it was perfect timing in india uh it was at 6:30 pm i was i was nice i had a nice afternoon nap i got up it was 
it is great it is just perfect timing uh, but i think we should uh, we should get uh, lippy who's producing this podcast uh, on to a conversation i know she is a formula 1 fan as well so lippy if you want to unmute yourself uh, we have we going into the going into the the race uh, Uh, it was uh, Charles Leclerc who was uh, on pole, right? So he was on pole. He was cruising. He was comfortable uh, until uh, things went wrong. Uh, uh, Lippy, what did you make of the race? Um, so the race was quite. Uh, I think even the first fifteen minutes of the race was like. I think it was like a Marvel movie. Like you don't want to miss it because you know yeah. not understand what's going on, and uh, I think um, so. I think Hamilton fans were. initially in the 5 minutes race already like okay it's not going to happen again and he's not going to but i think he was really good i mean uh, he 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 performed really well and i guess mercedes is coming back and uh, charles was leading like with 30 seconds gap and that was huge and then you know even after pit he, he was like 12 to 15 seconds gap and it was yeah. great but i think it was really heartbreaking to see his power you know lose power of the car and i mean and this is the second time this has happened with him so it was i think and because of that his whole you know championship score got really screwed up but i think uh i was really heartbroken for his car yeah i was me too me too so but yeah it's actually a fantastic point you brought up lippy cuz uh, hamilton i think early on had a crash with magnussen and he fell yeah. all the way back to like 19 and then uh, i think he finally he, finished i thought he practically gave up too yeah he, I, yeah, he, yeah. he tried to save the engine if uh, yes. you guys yeah i'll save this engine guys for you sorry Lewis, we still think we can achieve points here today so Eight, maybe better. Yeah, and uh, this is actually classic Hamilton. I, I don't remember now, but I think two seasons back, uh, even in the German Grand Prix, which is home for Mercedes, uh, so Bottas crashed out, and Hamilton had a really bad. And uh, so he he goes to the radio saying, "Hey, I want to retire the car." But Toto was the Toto Wolf was like, "Oh no, no, no you got to race." And somehow he salvages, I think, one point. uh but uh, yeah and they interviewed him later and he says i am a sore loser like i i, I don't like uh, driving knowing that i can't get something but hey it was a brilliant drive you know to come from 19 to i think finally p6 uh, i guess p5 Five. okay wow so and uh, that was that and carlos sainz who was p2 uh fell to he had uh, yeah he i think he fell to p5 uh, p6 i think or p4 uh so it was in p4 yeah So it was an interesting But, race. As yeah, so uh, Lippy said, uh, it was kind of heartbreaking to see Charles Leclerc uh, retire. But Lippy, you are also heartbroken for Sergio Perez. Oh, um, I am. I mean, I genuinely think he's a really, really good driver, and I just don't think that he should have like. I mean, I think he could have actually. Uh, I mean, he was on the podium, but I think he could have won also uh, had he not. given worst happened the way and i don't know how many worst happened fans are listening to it and if i get hate from them but yeah i do think that he could have done better because had he not uh, taken over and oh, i forgot i think uh, a lot of credit goes to russell also russell was great in the race he was amazing yeah. and uh, special and it's not just like i guess the current car works for russell somehow 
it's amazing how he has been throughout the i think he's the only racer to finish every uh, race i think this season so consistent yeah and uh, i think uh, the you know i i mean so the thing was when i was watching the ma- uh, race sorry and uh, i mean i i think i stopped looking at hamilton once he went to like 19 so i was like okay that's done now and especially when he also said that okay let's just save the engine and at that part of time i think uh, russell and after that russell and first happened for fighting for second and third and it was going on great and i think the whole thing took everyone's attention that no one looked that hamilton climbed up to you know like p4 yeah. it was like uh, achanak like suddenly i just saw and he's at like p7 and i was like okay when did that happen because the whole time everyone was just watching russell and was happen and i think that's the thing like you know had checo not offered to uh, like take over russell because worst happened was clearly not able to he was on soft tires and it was very difficult for him to complete 20 laps at that point of time on soft tires and he had to take a pit but with like so less uh, i mean distance i think he couldn't afford to take a pit at that point of time and clearly he had issues with his drs so but i think uh, worst happened going into the gravel made my race <laughs> i was really happy about it kind of so yeah and i think carlos is having a really bad year i mean i feel bad it was his home ground he should have kind of i guess one but i really hope that charles wins the next one since it's his home ground so i'm hoping something happens for him so that he's back on top yeah cuz last year monaco was extremely sad for charles he was again on p1 and then he had that whole gearbox failure accident and it was rather sad what was up with the drs aniket what is up with the drs for max it was so, not oh, opening so, up right yeah his drs up, just apparently failed so and it's good that you bring this up cuz my recommendation today is related to the drs system but uh his the fin that actually opens when you press a button in the drs it just refused to open uh, a couple of times and and he goes crazy on the radio saying come on guys we can't make drs work so i think that was a very interesting the typical agitated and frustrated max was uh, on the radio shouting about how we cannot make drs work and to uh, lippy's point actually uh, maybe if we can get that in cuz sergio perez after the race was finished uh, you know when his team said good job uh, checo he was like it was good team result but we need to talk <laughs> so <laughs> it was, it shows that clearly he played one for the team but he was not the happiest to do that right so that one hr job hr job thank you for everything in that race i'm happy for the team yep. but we need to speak later yep Well done, Checo. Thank you for that drive today. It was a very, very strong drive again. So thank you for the team game as well, Robert. Yep. No worries. We'll speak later, mate. It turned out the three-stop was the better option, so uh, I think we did just run out of tyres at the end there. Yeah. See, that, that's, the, that's the weird thing about... Not the weird thing, but that's how it works, I guess. There is a, there is a definite hierarchy uh, with, uh, within the team. There is a definite... Uh, number one and number two, especially with the bigger teams. So in this case, it was it is going to be Leclerc who's going to be the first number one in on Ferrari. It's going to be Hamilton. It's going to be 
Verstappen. It's not going to be Hamilton. I, 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 uh, because yeah. George Russell has really thrown a spanner into uh, all those workings. But well, yeah, it, not not this year because they're not. I don't think they're even in contention. But moving forward, I'm sure Hamilton still will have the uh, will still have the number one choice. Or you know, he'll be still he'll still be the number one preference. For sure. Yeah, I do think Russell will make a good successor to Hamilton, though. Like oh, hundred percent. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He's oh, he's yeah. he's good. I mean, he's you can really see that. Good. Yeah. So things are now the tide is now slowly turning towards uh, Mas- uh, not Mercedes, sorry, Red Bull. Uh, Max Verstappen has is now sitting on top of the driver standings, one ten points. Charles Leclerc is six points behind him, one one o four. Uh, in the constructors, Red Bulls have Red Bull has taken the lead with one ninety five points. Ferrari is at one sixty nine. The first three or four races it was looking really good for Ferrari. Now that uh, Red Bull has finished one two and Max has gotten some uh, uh, wins under his belt, uh, Lippy, do you do you think Red Bull is still ahead of this race, or do you think Ferrari is going to come back? I do think Ferrari will come back. I I genuinely feel that it's Ferrari's year this year. I guess I'm really hoping, by the way. But yeah. I think it's I think balanced. yeah. With the with the new design and stuff, I think Ferrari has a better car this year. But you know, Red Bull is in still in the figuring out stages of the car design. With these, they're still having some power issues here and there. The DRS stuff was weird. But uh, Aniket, do you think? I th- I still think Ferrari has a superior car for now. So uh, you're right, actually. So Ferrari has uh, got their uh, downforce and stuff sorted out. Uh, Red Bull is clearly good at like top speed, so there's no catching them. Uh, but uh like i'm kind of with lippy my uh like my heart wants ferrari to win mine says it's going to be red bull uh just just because red bull is such a fantastic team uh so if you think about it uh the strategy the calls they make even last year uh the attack this time like the three stop for verstappen to get him on a soft tire was a brilliant call Uh, last year i think in the final for the qualifiers i think they used checo to give him a toe Uh, and without checo basically max wouldn't have been anywhere you know uh Check out defending against uh, Hamilton. So all that stuff. So they really throw a spanner into the works. And I think they're very good as a team tactically, strategically. So uh, beating them would be tough. But, uh, you know, I would really hope it's the red car this year. Yeah, and I think for Ferrari to, like you said, it's a uh, Red Bull is a great team. And I think right now with Sainz not being like in his form, I think Ferrari is suffering because of that. Because, I mean, Charles is not getting that support from his teammate that Verstappen is getting from Checo. So, yeah, I guess that is there. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, Sainz actually went into the gravel too, right? And <laughs> he dropped places. So, and uh, I don't know. I mean, a controversial comment, but I'm not the biggest fan of Mattia Binotto. I don't know uh, what he's doing. Or I just don't listen enough for him to actually understand how his mind works. But... Uh, yeah, because Red Bull, even though they didn't have a car early on last year, they really, you know, did tactics. They bring everything to the game. Whereas uh, Ferrari right now seems to be extremely relying, reliant on their car and their drivers performing, which uh, which is good, but that's not the whole... Uh, because Formula 1 is a lot about strategy, as we've discussed. Exactly. It's it's not just the race or the drivers itself. It's also what happens in the paddock, what happens with the car, what happens with the pit stops. When the pit stops actually do, there's the whole undercut thing that is still I'm trying to understand properly. So there's a lot of strategy going behind. So it's going to be a good season. It's not going to be Mercedes in the race, but we'll have Red Bull and Ferrari for sure locking horns. So 
we'll 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 hope for a new winner i, I really don't have a dog in this fight but i hope uh, for sake of uh, lippy and also aniket uh, that lecler somehow goes ahead and wins the championship but we'll see what happens uh but i think we should uh, we should we should call it there aniket uh, we should end this episode so let's go ahead with some recommendations all right gotham so what would you recommend to enrich the lives of our listeners okay so the first recommendation i have is a podcast called ESPN Daily so ESPN has a daily podcast every morning like a 20 to 25 minute podcast uh in one of the their new pod they have one every day so i'm going to link the episode to the show notes it's about uh, this uh, general manager former general manager of the NBA team called the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, his name is Sachin Gupta uh, he is first generation uh, indian american who made it to the uh, to the front offices of the N- of the NBA for a, actually a, an NBA team uh, he talks about how he was at MIT he also talks about the immigrant experience he all talks about how you know uh, indians or just asians in general are looked at uh from outside and how there are literally so few of them in the sporting world so to speak you see very hand very very few of them in the sports media space as well as in the actual uh sporting space itself in america so he talks about the indian, indian american experience and how he's how he came up with uh, the trade machine that everybody uses these days uh, and all of that good stuff so just check that out it's called uh, sachin gupta's ground breaking nba journey Uh, on the ESPN Daily podcast, and then I'm going to recommend uh, the Zinia's uh, piece on ESPN India, discussing the where she talks about India's Thomas Cup win. It's called Thomas Cup win, teamwork, planning, and a lot of mental strength took India to the top. It's a really good piece. She talks. Uh, she actually has a short profile on all the players who participated uh, in the Thomas Cup win for India. So do check that out. Fantastic. So my recommendations are one is related to the DRS system in Formula One. So as always, the Formula One channel has come up with a very nice, concise explainer of what the DRS is and uh, basically a demo in sorts. So I would recommend the listeners to watch the. It's a short video. I think it's under ten minutes, so you can go and check it out to learn more about the DRS. and it will also give you ideas to the questions you ask Gautam as what actually happened why max's drs didn't work so the insights there the second recommendation is uh related to badminton so it, it's it's just uh an article uh, i forget who is the it's by anish anand in espn so it's uh, india's win at the thomas cup and five jaw dropping moments from the final so basically talks about uh, a lot about lakshya sen's uh, uh match which was actually a fantastic uh, game because he comes from the back and then it also talks about the doubles game and then uh, I, i think he also refers to kidambi shrikant's game there as well so it's uh, just a collection of uh, the interesting moments that uh, actually turned the table for team india right because this again let's not forget thomas cup is a team sport somewhat, somewhat like the davis cup but uh, different because it's for badminton and it was team india's win so uh, more part of that and the third one is a callback on a recommendation i did last episode or the one previous but it's basically on uh 
Pulela Gopi Chand, because I thought this was an apt time to call out just for everything that he's done for badminton in India. I think uh, uh, in time, history will remember him as a pivotal figure, not only as a player and all in all England champion for India after Prakash Padakon, but also a guy who's churned out some of the finest badminton players who've come out uh, in this age. So we see. He somehow has a hand to do with almost every young player. At some point has, you know, gone through his academy, which is in Gachiboli, Hyderabad. Uh, so, yeah, these three. So, his book is my recommendation. It's called uh, Shuttler's Flick. Uh, it's with, uh, I think, Priya Kumar. Uh, it's with Pulal Kopitian and Priya Kumar. So, I would recommend uh, the readers to read that because it just gives you... Uh, slightly preachy in terms of how it's written tells you what to do in life how to live the ideal life but nevertheless you learn a lot about Gopi Chand his struggles and uh, his character which is uh, phenomenal awesome I think this is also a time where uh, we have to uh, plug News Laundry uh, please please go to newslaundry.com hit that subscribe button there are a couple of News Laundry Sena projects out there uh, one uh, I think couple of for a couple of reports I think uh, do check those out. Uh, please top those up. Uh, we also have a slew of podcasts. We have NL Hafta, NL Chacha. We have uh, YouTube content, Tippany. We have uh, Nuisance. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing a lot of other stuff. We also have great ground reports as well. So please go to newslaundry.com. Please hit the subscribe button. It's You can start subscribing f- from as low as I think 300 rupees or so. So it's, it's please go ahead. You're seeing all of the uh, stuff going around all of the bile going around in all of the tv news channels these days so if you are if you're looking for good uh, honest journalism please go to newsone.com and hit that subscribe button yeah and uh, like gautam said so one of the nlc project is a yogi who has it all uh, and then there is the other one god i i forget but one is the yogi who has it all but uh, the larger point being guys uh, we are a part of a democracy and it is our job to keep democracy though and democracy and the way you do it is through uh, supporting independent media so pay to keep news free uh, subscribe to news laundry and you can also write to us because uh, like gotham already alluded to we're looking for people to talk about basketball the sporting ecosystem in general and we're hoping to get some exciting guests for you guys so if you have recommendations on who you would like to listen to please write to us uh, at the podcast letters that are there in the drop down menu and until next time we'll leave you with an audio yeah and as uh, as always thanks to producer Lee P for producing this podcast and also for coming on to talk formula 1 so that was yeah. great so some wonderful thanks. insights there yep yeah so th- thank you Lippy and uh, till next time I hope all of you stay safe and uh, have a wonderful uh, few days coming up until next time thank you all the news laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher iTunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent to catch all our podcasts on news pop culture current affairs and sport visit newslaundry.com follow us on Facebook Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.